talking about worship, we are obviously going through uh, our discipleship project, but in this series of lessons, we're talking about the heart of worship. Everybody say the heart of worship. The heart of worship. We all worship differently. You know, I told you about Brother Nugent last Sunday. He had a specific way when the Lord would get to move and he'd really get excited. Uh, I remember uh, also there was a there was a little lady in our church that it seemed like any time the Spirit of God got within a country mile of the place, she knew it. <laughs> and she would start responding. And uh, she had a specific way. Uh, she'd put her purse on her arm and kind of start doing a little circle. And she was an elderly lady, and she had a little old gray bun on the back of her hair. And she'd start what, what we call down in Louisiana sirens. And y'all know what a siren is? That's what they call sirens up here, but we call them sirens. <laughs> That's the French version. <laughs> She'd start sounding like a siren going off and kind of spinning around and, and worshiping. And I often wondered why, uh, why, when that little old woman would start spinning around holding her purse and, and start rejoicing in the Lord. I'm sure the Lord had brought her through all kind of things. I'm sure the Lord had proved himself faithful over the years. And uh, it was a blessing as a young person, a teenager, a watcher. And I, I uh, often it was, I, I've got a uh, kind of a mathematical mind to try to figure things out. And so it was in this case, I couldn't quite figure out why she, when she would start doing that, it, it just seemed like all of a sudden the wave would start going across the church. And I thought, well, they're doing that because she's doing that. And then, you know, a little later in life, I, uh, you know, developed a little musical talent, and I began to study music, and, and I ran across a story about a man who did a, a study, and uh, he said if you put stringed instruments in a soundproof room, and you tune all those instruments, uh, you get them all in tune, and uh, he said, when you go in that room, he said, all you have to do is pluck one string on one of those instruments, whatever stringed instruments you have in there. You pluck one string on one instrument, and all the other instruments that are in tune, they start vibrating also. And then I realized what goes on in an apostolic service when one saint of God in tune starts vibrating it's almost like everybody that feels that they start vibrating they just that's what happens in a Pentecostal setting so I'm here to worship the Lord today I'm here to praise him he's been good to me I know he's been good to you also let's give the Lord a good hand clap today amen praise the Lord I want to show forth the praises of him who's called me out of darkness. So today we're going to talk about the time for worship. And I know uh, we skipped uh, a Sunday. We had an ice storm. So uh, don't, don't fret and beware. Some of you's got your booklet and you're saying, well, yeah, well I missed a lesson. I'm going to have blanks that are not filled in. And I know that's just going to mess your week up. So I want to help you with the rest of your week. We're, going to, we're not going to teach two lessons today, but I'd at least fill in the rest of your blanks. How's that? Everybody okay with that? In fact, I think we didn't get all of them from last week. Is that right? See, I knew there was some of you here today. <laughs> uh, and I think, let's see here. 
Uh, let me stumble through this real quick. Uh, I think I have that uh, somewhere here. Dear Lord, I just just realized it. Okay. Pardon me while this... All right, all right. I took a picture of the rest of it. Let me go back. Pardon me. Y'all just watch intently as I move through this iPad and try to find these notes. Ah, the last one I did is what, Sister Jean? There you go. David became expressive in his words. If you got your book from last week, let's let's finish this out. We we didn't get done last week. I think the next blank you have would be number three. Such expressions of worship also are example, an example to others. Everybody say an example to others. We talked about that. We need to be an example, and that's why we address some things as adults. We are examples. You ever seen kids try to emulate their dad, their mom? I was surprised this past uh, Christmas we spent with Cheryl's family. Uh, she said, well, we're gonna, we got a gift we're getting for Zane. This is Chuck's little boy. And I said, well, what are we getting Zane? She said, well, he wants muck boots. Muck boots. And he's, what, what eight, nine, ten years old? Ten? This is a little fella. I said, he wants muck boots? Why don't he wait till his foot quits growing and then get him some muck boots? But the fact of the matter is, dad's got muck boots. And dad gears up the deer hunt, you got to look just like dad. Isn't that right? Okay. So we're an example. Everybody say an example. Number three, David's dancing before the ark certainly qualifies his worship, but it challenged Michael's perception of him. Amen. And worship does that. It challenges. It may challenge others. But uh, I, don't, I want to worship God with all my heart. Somebody say amen. Amen. I think that's, isn't that it? I think that is it. All right, good deal. Let's go to, the, let's go to this week's lesson. Let's go to the one that I'm prepared to teach. Somebody say praise the Lord. All right, the time for worship. Let's, let's uh, jump off in our, in our uh, text here today. Psalms 34 and verse 1. Would you read it out loud with me? I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I want you to, as we start off today, I want you to be thinking about a difficult time in your life that worship carried you through. Amen. That worship carried you through. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall seasonally be in my mouth his praise shall every once in a while be in my mouth it's continually everybody say continually how many know it's a challenge for his praise to be continually in your mouth all the time i mean there's people that struggle with the passage that says in everything give thanks unto the lord there's some things that uh it's a challenge to our faith but i believe the lord gives us strength to be faithful, amen? And uh, when we start talking about faithfulness, my mind goes to the father of faith who is, we are by the spirit, the seed of Abraham, and I'm thankful for that. We have come under a covenant with God, but when you think about the father of faith, you think about Abraham, and Abraham was a very, uh, a very special individual to God. In, in chapter 12 of Genesis, you find the beginning of 
his story and, and his and God's relationship. And there's a lot of interesting things that happen. But one story that is disturbing uh, pops up in chapter 22. And that is the command that God gives Abraham to take his son. And in God's vernacular, he says, Your only son, Isaac, and sacrifice him. Uh, give him as a burnt offering on the mountain that I will show you. Uh, anybody that's a, father, a parent, for that matter, uh, these are disturbing words. Amen. I said these are disturbing words. And uh, it would seem to me uh, to cause Abraham to question everything he ever believed about God or everything that God had ever said. Because God, for, for about uh, ten, nine chapters, has been telling Abraham that I'm going to make your seed a great seed. And, and they'd been through difficulties. And then Isaac was born miraculously, and it looks like God's word is coming to pass. And all of a sudden, God says, take that thing that's the confirmation of everything I've been saying all these years and sacrifice it. That's a difficult, uh, that's difficult words. Uh, th- I wonder if this is a man of faith. I wonder if there ever crept in any doubt. I wonder if he ever thought, well, now, wait a minute. God said he'd give me this boy. Now he's taking this boy. If it was there, we find no evidence of it. Because the very next verse, when God says, take your son, offer him on the mountain that I will show you, That causes me as a father uh, to wonder what's going through Abraham's mind. And I believe believe that there was a challenge to his faith. But it makes it harder even for me to understand Abraham's reaction. You ever seen anybody going through difficulty and you thought, now I'm surprised they're acting that way. (laughs) Well, my surprises are not usually from people that are going through a hard time that are battling depression, I expect that. Or, you know, be discouraged and and these things happen. But what's surprising with Abraham is that God asked him to take Isaac to a mountain and sacrifice him. And I don't understand Abraham's reaction. The Bible says he rose up early. Saddled up his beast of burden, and he started on his journey. Sure, child sacrifice was something that was common in those days, the outrageous expression of an idol-worshipping uh, people, but, but this is not consistent with what Abraham had come to know about God. <laughs> This is not the God he knew. In fact, after all this is over, the Bible tells us he's going to discover something new about God. He's going to call him a name he's never called him before. He's going to see God in a brand new light. Folks, I want to tell you the things we go through are not meant to destroy our faith. They're meant to show us a greater revelation of who our God really is. So I've come to worship him today in whatever form that takes. I'm going to magnify him today. Somebody say amen. And so Abraham, I'm sure there was, the Bible tells us it was a three-day journey, it's, and, and I don't understand how he doesn't, he doesn't hesitate. He, amen. He doesn't. That's Abraham headed to the mountain. He's running. <laughs> 
He doesn't hesitate. He he doesn't even he doesn't even tell Sarah what's going on. He says, "Me and the boy are going to worship." Now you go back in and worry about what you got to worry about. We're going to worship. Everybody say worship. But I'm sure uh, Abraham, uh, if there was any questions, we don't we don't see it. We don't. We don't even get a, a hint of it. He doesn't delay. He doesn't question. He doesn't hesitate. All we see on the surface is that he obeys. He just obeys. God asks it, I'm going to obey. And I thank God for men and women of faith that they may not understand, but they're just going to obey. They're just going to walk. They're just going to do what God Hey, I've come in church services with questions, but I don't want to give evidence to that. I want to speak faith. I want to worship in the presence of the king. It's not that I'm playing the hypocrite. No, I just know he's faithful. I know he's real, and I know he's going to do what he said he'd do. So I've come to worship him today. Oh, let's give him praise with a hand clap. Use your ten-stringed instruments now. We praise you, God. He didn't delay. I ask you to think about a moment when life was difficult and worship brought you through. I remember a specific time. My, uh, my mom and dad divorced when I was just a young boy. I was two, two and a half years old. My mom met a godly man in the church. And when I was four, she remarried and many years of marriage uh, to Pete. And, and Pete came down with a cancer. And, and the doctor, uh, uh, this should have been done, surgery should have been done differently. It wasn't done correctly. And so by the time they realized what they had a hold of, it it was in his lymph glands and, and spreading through his body. And uh, they went to MD Anderson and started uh, treatments and, and started uh, trying to attack this cancer. And, and there, was a, there was a fight uh, going on and there was prayer made and, and all those things. And there was fake God is, is real and God's healed. And I've seen him heal cancer and I've seen him take tumors out of bodies without any surgery. And so I'm standing there knowing what God can do, knowing that He's faithful, knowing that He's good. But I remember it was on a Sunday morning. I was preaching in this old sanctuary, and I got the update that, that He was just probably hours uh, from, from crossing over to His reward. And so after church, we jumped in the vehicle and drove 11 hours, and we got there in the evening hours of Sunday evening. And my pastor came in after church and began to pray, and he said, now, brother Pete it looks like the Lord has chosen not to heal you you're in the 11th hour and he said but I'm going to pray for you we're going to take care of your family and he laid his hands on him and I watched Pete begin to pray and I watched him him move that oxygen mask and begin to speak in tongues and worship God I remember going down to the to the little uh, refreshment room where they had a coke machine and a and a little chip machine and and I went in there and I began to tell God how he to do his business I remember telling God about a faithful mother 
I remember telling God about a, a woman who had been faithful to him and she hears her husband laying on this bed of affliction and I began to tell God how she needed this and she needed that and, and Lord, you're just going to have to move and God, I can't bear to see my mother like this and Lord, she's been faithful to you and, and you owe her this and I'll never forget bowed between that Coke machine and that candy machine. I'll never forget the voice of God coming in and saying, don't you. You charge me foolishly. And all of a sudden, my worship began to change. And I began to say, Lord, you're worthy. Lord, you're faithful. God, you're good. It doesn't matter what happens in this situation. And I want to tell you, that gives you the strength to get up off your knees and get up on your feet and say, God's worthy, regardless of what happens in this situation. I wonder if anybody remembers a moment when God just brought you through. It didn't, He didn't change anything. It just changed in you. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. Amen. 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 I, I find in Scripture, we say, you know, you see that bumper sticker, prayer changes things. Well, I'm, I, I know that's true, but I think thing, there's something that changes before things. Prayer, yeah, yeah, it can change things, but the first thing prayer changes is the prayer. Habakkuk prays three chapters and says it's bad and getting worse. There's there's no fruit on the vine. There's no cow in the stall, and and and, and the fats are dry, and there's no wine, and there's no food, and he, he nothing changes. But in the third chapter, you get down to the seventeenth verse. He says, "Yet if there's none of this going on, and and we don't have bread in the cupboards, yet I will rejoice." And what does prayer do? Yeah, God, I'm trying to tell you how bad it is. But at some point, you got to get to the place where you say, it doesn't matter if he moves it, I'm going to worship him anyway. I've come today, no, there's prayers he hasn't answered, but he's still worthy. I will praise the Lord at all times. Oh, let's give him praise. I'll bless him at all times. I'll bless him at all times. Let's look at this today. Time is the most valuable commodity we've been given. Time. Everybody say time. Everybody say time now is more valuable than money. We found that in fundraising adventures in this church. Ventures. Some of them has been adventures. There's some people that would pay just to not have to worry about a car wash. I'll give you $30 to not have one. You know what that says? Well, I'll give you $100 to not have one. You know what that means? That means my time now is more valuable than my money. I don't have time to do it. How many know you live on uh, time, you know, time constraints? You just feel like you don't have enough time. Anybody here today feel like you don't have enough time sometimes? Yeah. So, another thing, time cannot be saved or stored. You know that. You're, I'm teaching the adult class. When, when that moment comes and passes... You never get it back. You're not ever going to repeat this service today. This is the one you got. And you say, oh, I wish we could have a service like we had. No, you can't. Let's let's have the best one we can have today. Because this is the only one we got. I can't store it up. I can't save it. Uh, How many know there's time stealers in your life? Anybody know there's time stealers? What's, what's a time stealer for you? Or maybe one of your good friends. 
a time stealer for your spouse. What is it? Pioneer woman. For all of you sanctified people that don't know, that's on the Food Network. And Pioneer Woman is a cook. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Uh-oh. Pioneer Woman. I wasn't expecting that response. I'm going to praise him anyway. <laughs> Pioneer Woman. That's good. Anybody else? Time waster. Somebody's scared. Huh? Facebook? Yeah. Telephone? Yeah, your cell phone, social media, they can be time wasters, yeah. Anything else? We all battle them. Some of you's not feeling quite bold enough to say it yet. (laughs) But there are time stealers, time stealers. They steal your time. I want us to look at Ecclesiastes 3 and 1. I've spoken on this passage a number of times in funeral services. So so, uh, I'm praying, obviously, this is not a funeral service. Let's not turn it into one. But Ecclesiastes 3 and 1, I think 3 and 1 is the only verse we've got for, on the slide, but I want to read on down through a few verses. Uh, to everything there is a season and a time for every, to every purpose under, under the heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted. Time to kill, a time to heal. A time to break down, a time to build up. A time to weep, a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend or tear. A time to sew back together. A time to keep silent and a time to speak. Amen. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. There is a proper time for everything. Say that with me. There is a proper time for everything. Say that again. There is a proper time for everything. That's why, and I want to make sure you understand what I mean when I address last week when I talk about, and I thank God for the sensitivity of our young people and children. I praise God for that. Somebody say amen. But, but if I've, if, I think it's very important that we as adults, you ever, uh, my, my uncle, my, uh, I begin to think about who, I, who first experienced discipline from me as a father. I have to admit, it wasn't Chelsea and Shayla. It was their grandparents. How many know that you got to get on the grandparents? <laughs> How many know that there's things you don't allow at your house that granny says, oh, I don't care. They're not at your house. They're here with granny. They're going to do what they want. Sometimes you don't need to spank your kids. You need to spank their grandparents. <laughs> I remember my, uh, my grandma telling a story about her boy would go to old Grandma Steele's. I think it was Grandma Steele. Grandma, uh, Lonnie liked butter, and Grandma Steele would give him a stick of butter, and he would eat a stick of butter. I couldn't get grandma to quit giving the boy a stick of butter. So what did the boy do when he went to granny's house? What do you think he did? First thing he did when he walked in. What did he? Come on, you're adults. He, he knew he couldn't get butter at his house, but when he walked in granny's house, he wanted butter. 
because he was in an atmosphere that let him have a stick of butter every time he came. <laughs> Anybody hear what I'm saying? So as adults, I, I, want, I want there to be an atmosphere where people are free to worship God, whether it's, whether it, whatever form it takes. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. I want that to happen, and that's, that's very important for us as mature saints of God to create uh, the, the atmosphere where pe- and the Spirit of God does that. But I want to make sure that I'm responding to the Spirit of God. Somebody say amen. Psalms 34 and 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. Everybody say all times. There's a time to keep silent. There's a time to speak. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn. And uh, we never know, you know, this Sunday is going to be different than last Sunday, but I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. What's interesting is the superscription in this passage. There's a superscription is simply the, the reference, a, a reference note from the old Hebrew uh, of this text. And the superscript in this passage, Psalms 34, says this. It's a psalm of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech who drove him away and he departed. Now, that, we just read that and you just kind of go forward. But, but to David at all times meant even in times of adversity and struggle. He wrote this verse when he was in a great time of adversity and struggle. He wrote this, I will bless the Lord at all times. He was in a struggle. In fact, the struggle he was in, Saul was trying to kill him. And David, for his protection, he made a choice to go to Gath. David chose to go to Gath strange but sometimes situations cause us to choose paths that we wouldn't normally choose when we're under pressure we choose things we may not choose at other times if I hear what I'm saying? And David did something strange. He went to Gath. This is the land of Goliath. This is, this is the land of the Philistines. And in 1 Samuel 21, 11, it says that when David went to Gath, the servants of Achish said unto him, Hey, this is David. This is David, the king of the land. This is the one they sang about. This is the one they danced about saying Saul has slain his thousands and David has slain his tens of thousands. And, and so David is in this position. He's, he's running from Saul but he's got himself in some deep stuff. And Achish comes to realize that this is, this is his nemesis. This is also his enemy. And the Bible says in that moment, 1 Samuel 21, 13, David does something. He starts acting crazy. <laughs> he changes himself before them. He feigns, he fakes that he's mad or crazy. And the Bible says it. He scrabbles on the doors. He goes to the door and starts clawing on the door and the gate. And he let his spit fall down into his beard. He starts drooling all over himself. <laughs> this is King David. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? This trip to Gath had not worked out like David thought it would. And the Bible says by him feigning uh, a madness, he, he escapes and he goes to a cave called Abdullam. And what's interesting after that, 1 Samuel 22 and 2 tells us there's some people that gather to him. Everybody that's distressed. Everybody that's in debt. 
that. And everyone that's discontented gathered themselves unto him and he became captain over the distressed people. Captive, uh, captain over the folks that were in debt. Captain over the discontented people. <laughs> oh my. Hello. That's a bad situation. He's feigned madness. He's, he's drooling all over himself. He finally gets out of the situation and 400 people show up and he thinks, oh, now I got somebody on my side. And one of them comes and says, hey, I need some money. I got a debt I can't pay. And one of them's so distressed, he don't know if he can even make it. One of them's so discontented, he keeps griping. Every day he wakes up, he's griping about something. And 400 of them show up. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh, God, kill me now. (laughs) And he became captain over them. And there were about, there were with him about 400 men. Now, listen, that, I just, just quickly, that story, that's the moment David pins the words. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I'm preaching to people today that things gather in your life that you didn't ask for. That discontentment comes knocking on your door and financial difficulties. David said, I'm just going to praise the Lord in whatever state I'm in. I'm going to bless Him at all times. His praise. His praise will always be in my mouth. Always. Always. Because God is always worthy of worship. This is why David said his praise will always be in my mouth. Always. Somebody say always. I think it's very important that we worship God in the good times. Everybody say good times. Good times. Let me ask you, how do good times affect your worship? How do good times affect your praise? Let me ask you, if uh, even in this case, if, if God uh, responds the way you want Him to, say with a healing or, or a, a salvation of someone you've prayed for for a long time, how, how do you respond? Great joy. Great joy. Yeah, if somebody comes in in a wheelchair and and we're just worshiping God and all of a sudden you see them run up the aisle pushing the wheelchair and they start running back and forth, what's going to happen in this auditorium? Did you see that? Wow, you get your phones out. Hopefully you do more than get your phone out. I think we miss our chance trying to etch it into history. I thank God for what's happening Thank God there wasn't an iPhone on the Mount of Transfiguration. Don't miss the moment by trying to record it. I got an article, Beyonce's in concert, and she, there's a girl down on the front row, and she's trying to get her attention to come up and sing with her. Beyonce. You don't say Beyonce. And she, in the microphone, she actually says to the girl, you're missing your moment because you're distracted with your phone. Put your phone down and get up on the stage. I'm not talking about worship being a stage, but I am saying I've been in all kinds of services where they were so, you know, little Johnny's getting the Holy Ghost, bless God. They missed the moment. They made, got, got them, and I want to record it, but bless God, I want it recorded in my spirit. I want it etched in my soul. I don't want to, oh, 
There's nothing wrong with that. But worship while you're recording it, you know. It'd be like grandma's old movies. You get sick watching them because you can't hold still. <laughs> they were so poor they couldn't, they couldn't buy much film, so they wanted to make use of every second they had. You ever watch those old family movies? It's like, Wah. Like, wait a minute, who was that? Back that up. Stop right there. Grandma wanted to get every inch out of that film. So, <laughs> uh, Brother Gene, are you preaching against recording it? No, praise while you're recording it. Don't miss the moment. Because David is, says, I will worship God at all times, and we must worship in good times. Everybody say good times. But, and we, we talk about that. Somebody blind eyes open. Somebody come in this week and say, hey, my cancer's gone. What do we do? It's appropriate. That's appropriate. There ought to be the sound of joy in the house of God. I don't, I don't want somebody walking out off the street and think, man, that's the saddest folks I've ever seen in my life. There's joy in serving the Lord. The good times help us to benefit from that. But have you ever seen good times negatively affect somebody? Oh, yeah. How's that happen? Well, you know how it happens. Things get going good and things, you know, they're blessed and their jobs, you know, they're blessed on their job and, and all of a sudden now everything else has their focus and they're thinking about other things. They're not thinking about God. In fact, there's some people I wish they's back to poor because they thought about God a lot more. Uh, uh-oh. Anybody hearing? What I'm saying today, good times can. Now, are they always? No. No, there's time for all of it. And good times can affect your worship in a positive way, but we beware. They can, it can affect you in a negative way. It can get you distracted. Good times are awesome. And, and every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights. I'm thankful for that. Somebody say amen. But I want to give him praise even in the good times. Deuteronomy 8 verse 7 for the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land. Everybody say a good land. God wants to give you a good land. Amen. He wants to bring you into a land of brooks of water. He doesn't want you to, to, to die of thirst. He wants you to have fountains and depths that spring out of the valleys and the hills. A land of wheat and barley. He doesn't want you going hungry. Vines for, for, for juice and fig trees and make you some jelly. Pomegranates. Man, there's that. And there's those, uh, what the anti, what do they call it? Pomegranate juice is one of the antioxidants, one of the most powerful antioxidants. That's what I'm looking for. Pomegranates, a land of, of oil, olive, and honey. Everybody say a beautiful land. Verse 9, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Praise God. Thou shalt not lack anything in it. Praise God. A land whose stones are iron and out of those hills you may dig brass. I'm giving you wonderful things even in the ground. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good things he's done in you. Anybody God been good to you? Anybody God blessed your house and God blessed your kids and God blessed your tractor and God blessed your truck and God blessed your field? 
Oh, come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. Yeah, that's, that's good stuff. Woo! Good stuff. Everybody say good stuff. That's not where it stops. There's a great beware. Beware. Something's sneaking up behind me over here. Beware. Everybody say beware. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God. I thank God for the beware. It'll be one thing for God to say, I'm going to bring you good stuff, but for him to not say anything about what to beware about. Is everybody okay? Yeah, if God never said beware about this, he'd be leaving something out, wouldn't he? Yeah, it's not enough for him to just say, I'm doing all this great stuff for you. But if that great stuff has a negative edge, it's the love of God that says beware. Not a bad thing for God to say, hey, hey, wait a minute. Be careful. Is everybody okay? Beware that thou forget not the Lord and not keeping his commandments and his judgments, his statutes, which I command you, that lest when thou hast eaten and when you are full, that thou hast built goodly houses and built and dwelled therein. And when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, everything I just said is going to happen. Your silver and gold is multiplied. All that, that I said was going to happen, it's going to happen. But one thing I can't control is what happens in your heart. Then thine heart will be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. I can put gold in your field. But you better beware of what it can do to your heart. It can cause your heart to forget the Lord thy God. The reason you are blessed is because of your Lord and your God. I say amen. Something else we must choose to worship God. Not only the good times, but the good times there's a, there's a holy beware. We must worship the Lord in the bad times. Bad times. Everybody say bad times. Amen. Anybody ever had any bad times? Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I know what he's talking about now. (laughs) Bad times. Worry and fear and anxiety, bad times can often be a catalyst for silence. We come to church and we don't say anything. We, well, God hadn't treated me the way I think He should. And, and it's not going the way I think He should. I, he said I was going to be a great nation. Now I'm standing on top of a mountain getting ready to kill my boy. I don't understand this. I'm telling you, He's worthy in the good times and He's worthy in the bad times. <laughs> And Job is a godly example. Job is a godly example of how total disaster can wreck your life in a few hours. And staggering out from the weight of that horrific news, Job stumbles out of his house, tears streaming down his face. And in that moment, a switch is flipped in his faith. And all of a sudden in Job 1 verse 20, he's just lost his ten children to a tornado. He's just lost all of his assets. Sets. Then Job arose and took his mantle, shaved his head and fell on the ground in worship. And he said, I came naked. I'm leaving naked. The Lord has given to me and the Lord has the right to take from me. But I'm going to bless the name of the Lord. Oh, come on, somebody. Uh, I'm going to bless the Lord. I know I preached it a long time ago. I preached it a long time ago. The Lord took down every fence in Job's life that the Lord had ever put up. 
and the Lord had put up a bunch of fences in Job's life but there was one fence God couldn't tear down and that was the fence Job had built and Job says nothing's going to take my faith nothing's going to keep me from trusting God I'm determined I'm going to make it I'm just going to keep on praising him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gave and I thanked him for it and I enjoyed it. Oh, But he took something from me, but I'm going to bless him anyway. How do bad times affect my worship? Have you ever seen bad times negatively affect somebody's focus? There's some people when times get bad, they run to the altar. And then... There's my Sunday school teacher when I was just a little boy. I remember their excitement. They couldn't have a child. I remember their excitement when they were found to be with child. And oh, how wonderful it was. And everybody was excited for them. And the baby was born. And beautiful child. And they were so happy. And the few months went by and they just radiated joy and thankfulness and would come to the altar and just thank the Lord for his blessings. But come the morning they wake up and that little baby in the middle of the night had died from sudden infant death syndrome. And, and now we're having a funeral and now we don't understand anymore and wait a minute this was an answer to prayer wasn't it it disturbed me as a little teenage boy to watch them start they, they weren't worshiping anymore they, they started slipping closer to the back of the church and, and before long they were missing a few services and before long one of them was there and the other one wasn't it before long their marriage got in trouble and before long they were in divorce court and their life was a wreck this is what happens when we can only praise God when he does what we want him to what about when life deals you something you're not expecting? Oh, I want a heart of worship that says, God, in the good times, oh, and in the bad times, I'm going to worship you. Oh, why don't you lift your hands and worship? We're closing here. Why don't you just lift your hands and say, Lord, help me to do that. Help me to do that. Help me to do that, God. Let my faith be more than just sunshiny day faith. Oh, let my faith be storm faith, Lord. I, I, I was talking to a man. He's, he's not from around these parts. He's from a little further north of here. and he, he, uh, He's been out on the Great Lakes a time or two. And he started telling me about storms that would come up. And storms that he'd been out fishing. And all of a sudden a storm blow up. And how those two and three foot waves turned into six and eight foot waves and how it would it would it's it's scary times and fearful times and and uh he said you know when that happens you 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 better have a good anchor he 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 doesn't serve god in fact he's standing there with intoxicating beverage uh, right there talking to me he said when you when you have that happen you better have a good anchor that old fella doesn't know he's preaching to the preacher I started to say, preach, brother, but I thought I'd scare him to death. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but he's standing there. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, when you're riding out those waves, you got, you know, you got to face into them. You got, you got to face those waves. You can't get broadside to those waves. It does damaging stuff when you start turning in the midst of a storm. 
said, you got to face them. And I said, well, what do you do? He said, well, you get two anchors. You throw one out over there, and you throw one out over there, and it pulls, and, and as long as the anchors hold... <laughs> It's going to hold your face in the storm. And he says, as long as the anchor holds, you can ride out the shore. I've come to tell you today, the anchor's holding. Oh, come on, I've come to preach to somebody. You can make it through the storm. Don't let the wind rob your trust in God. Oh, come on, let's, I feel something in this place. We're going to be a church that worships in good times and bad times. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God. I don't know about you, but, but I've ridden out a few storms that way. The anchor holds, though the ship is battered. I'm thankful for the anchor of faith. Somebody say praise the Lord. So we're talking about a time for worship. And just like everything else in life, just like every one of my tests, just like every one of my storms, there's always a second half of the story. Everybody okay? There's always a second half. I don't know if you noticed, I stopped the story of Abraham while he's trudging up the mountain to kill his boy. How much doubt, fear, anxiety, we're not sure. But one thing's for sure, I want to tell you the second half of the story. And there's always a backside to the story. Isaac, when they get to that mountain, he questions his dad what they're about to do. And his dad says, Isaac said, Dad, here's the wood. Here's the altar. Where's the sacrifice? I've never seen you worship God like this. Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham's response, you remember what he said? The Lord will provide how can he say such a thing? He had no promise that God was about to interrupt the approaching ceremony. But Abraham did have a covenant on which he was counting. I don't know what God's going to do in the next 30 seconds. But I know what he told me 20 years ago. I know that. No, you're not hearing me. I don't know what he's going to do in the next five minutes. But I know what he told me 20 years ago. And I'm standing on it. I'm standing on it. Oh, yes, oh, yes. Here's the rest of the story. I don't, every step Abraham took was a step of faith. Every stride filled with worship. I, every step said, I'll bless the Lord at all times. They arrived on the top of that mountain. Guess what? God didn't stop him. He built the altar. God didn't stop him. He laid the wood on the altar. I don't know about the rest of you, but if that's my boy, I'd have been slowing down. It would have took me twice as long to build that altar today. Oh, no, we don't want that stone. Try to find a better one, son. No, that's not the way you lay wood on an altar. Wait, let's turn, wait, let's turn it this way. No, 
I'd have been pausing. Everything in me would have said, how much time can I waste here? But the wood got in order. God didn't interrupt. He laid Isaac on the altar. No interruption. I don't know how long he stands there with this boy bound on the altar thinking, okay, God. But the Bible tells us it specifically says when Abraham took the knife, when he grabbed the knife, I know some of your tests, you get to the point where you're just about to let you just grab. I'm grabbing the knife. I've waited long enough. Something's fixing to get cut here. I'm about to make a decision. And when you grab the knife, the Bible says God spoke. Abraham, don't lay your hand on that boy. I'm the same God that 20 years ago told you you were going to have a seed. I haven't forgotten my promise. And I know you can't find that in Genesis 22, but that's what he's saying. Don't touch that boy. That's my blessing on you. And the Bible says that Abraham looked up. He looked up. And behind him, a ram caught in a thicket I'd like to know when it got caught inquiring minds want to know was it there and Abraham just missed it I've got to believe that while Abraham was walking by faith up ones up the testing side of the mountain I believe God's answer is coming up the other side of the mountain you got to pass the test because what God has prepared for you is going to meet you in the hour of your test. I don't want to miss what God wants to do. I want to tell every one of you, with every storm you go through, with every test you go through, don't you ever forget, there's always something behind you. God is behind you. He is for you, not against you. I hope you're hearing what this pastor's saying to you today. God is not into your demise or your destruction. He wants you to have life and life more abundantly. There's always something behind you in every test. Come on, somebody praise the Lord right now. Come on, just rise up on your feet and say, Lord, show me what's behind me. There's a ram caught in the thicket. The Lamb of God, he's behind me. He's for me. He's not against me. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, yes, come on, it's all right. Let's praise the Lord for a minute. I know it's, it's class time, but we got time to praise the Lord. Remind me, Lord, there's something behind me. Isaiah says it. Isaiah says it. When you, when you, when you come to the fork in the road, You're just minding your own business, doing your own thing, and life's good. And, but all of a sudden, there's a fork in the road. Something happens, and uh-oh. Man, what's going to happen now? The Bible says, while you're standing there, they'll come from behind you a voice. <laughs> Saying, this is the way that you ought to walk. I want to tell you, God's not going to leave you in the test. 
There's always a provision behind you. God's going to meet you there. Yeah. My, as I told you, my, you know that. My mom and dad split up. My, I, I think number one on my prayer list the rest of my life was, Lord, save my dad. He was an alcoholic. Yeah. Came that fateful day. They called and said, we, your dad's laying in his kitchen floor. He's deceased. It looks like he's been dead a couple days. And in the trash can and on the counter of his kitchen, there was nine empty liters of J&B Scotch whiskey. The last transaction on his debit card was Tuesday. He died on a Saturday. He went through about nine liters of Scotch whiskey in about five days. I knew what that meant. I remember driving, walking in that condo, and they hadn't even cleaned up the condo, and I saw the traces of his struggle, and I was standing in that kitchen having it out with God again. Lord, what's going on? I'm telling you, there's always a voice behind you. God's not leaving you hanging. He's there with you in every test. And I remember saying, now wait a minute, God, you, 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 no, nobody wants their dad to die this way. No, Lord, why couldn't I be here, Lord? Lord, he probably was wanting to get his heart right, Lord. He knows you. He'd been born again of the water of the Spirit. He knows what it takes. Lord, I, I should have been here. I should have been here. And all of a sudden, that voice behind me said, he was not alone. <laughs> I said, well, Lord, what, what do you mean the Lord said I was here with your dad? And I'm telling you, that closed the book. And I just said, Lord, if you were here, that's all I need to know. I don't need to know the outcome. I don't need to know where he is. I know that if you were here, there was an opportunity. There was a chance. I know what the Father does with prodigals. I'm not saying he's in heaven or he's in hell. But I'm telling you what, there was a voice coming out of the thicket. I'll tell you, I, I, I walked away from that mountain saying, he's my provider. He's oh. oh, come on, somebody clap your hands unto the Lord today. Jehovah is my provider. I close. I, I'm supposed to teach two lessons today. You're probably thankful I only got to one. We'll email you the next one. How's that? The one you're missing, we'll email it to you. Is that okay? Okay. I'll say this to you in closing. Listen. It's very, very important that in your tests and your trials of life, God is faithful. You trust Him. You can trust Him. He's going to make a way. And when Moses came up, Moses, Abraham, he's good too, good Good tests and trials, worship God through the test. Moses is a good subject, but he's not the subject of this moment. Abraham. When Abraham comes off that mountain, he has a new name for, for God. He's Jehovah Jireh. He'd never called him that before. First time God had ever been spoken of in that way before. Abraham had a brand new revelation of who Jesus, who God, Jehovah was. Now, I'll tell you what happens to us as New Testament believers. When we go through tests, we see a side of God we never saw before. <laughs> he just shows us a new revelation of Him. And I don't want to be just living on old revelations. I want to see a brand new vision of Him today. Amen. Let's close this class with our hands lifted up, saying, Lord, help me to be that today. Help me to worship.